Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, Galatians chapter 5 as we uh, continue our series here. And for those of you who have been around the church maybe a long time, uh, we're probably finally getting to that section that you have heard of before. And um, I'm just going to tell you right up front, you're probably going to be a little disappointed with me. Uh, because I don't think this passage um, applies kind of the way that we have historically used this passage. Galatians is a tough book. It's got a lot of moving parts in it. We've been going through it. And I, I just want to tell you, Paul wasn't sitting around as he was writing this book going, oh, you know, I haven't really provided anything for the children's ministry department. I should probably come up with some sort of craft for them. I know what I'll do. I'll put something with fruit in it so that they can cut out little pieces of fruit while they're reading this passage. Now, if you grew up in the church, at some point in time, you cut out the fruit. And I just, you, I hope you're hearing my voice. It is fruit of the Spirit. If you say fruits, I might have to slap you. Okay, it's not there. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It is fruit singular. My first teaching job at Corbin was a class called Teaching the Bible. And we talked about all these different elements and preparing a lesson plan and all this stuff. And then the kids, at the end of the semester, the last third of the semester, they each had to teach a 20-minute lesson. And I have heard more lessons on the fruits of the Spirit than I ever want. In fact, in my last few years teaching that class, I don't teach it anymore, I would just say at the beginning of the semester, I encourage you not to teach on this passage. And I also David and Goliath and a couple other ones that I was just tired of hearing. And this passage is much more in depth than that. And so we're going to just kind of wrestle with it. And I was thinking this morning as we're singing these songs, great, great song selection this morning. And Pastor Rich and I were talking in my office this morning, and we were lamenting a little bit of the chaos that we've experienced in the last 48 hours, him a little bit more than me, but a lot of it. And here's the thing, as believers, especially in the American church, sometimes when we face chaos or, or problems or difficulties, we say, oh no, what's wrong? Is God mad at me? Look, God's purpose for your life is not comfort. I'm sorry. It's sanctification. He wants you to become more like him. And I was, I'm reading Amos as part of my Bible reading. And God starts off with Israel and Amos and he says, you know, uh, here's all the wonderful things that I did for you. And you went and worshiped other gods. And so here's all the judgments I brought upon you and you still didn't repent. So in, in a sense, God says, I tried the good and I tried the bad and you still did your own thing. So what's God's solution? It's the spirit. Here's how transformation is gonna happen in the church. It's through the spirit. So let me read uh, Galatians chapter five, the end of the passage, starting verse 16. And we'll jump in this morning. But I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. 
for those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law. And those who belong to Messiah Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. In this passage, and we're, we're thinking, okay, we're here. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But the focus, if we look at Paul's repeating phrases, is on our relationship with the Spirit. Paul calls us to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, bear the fruit of the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and walk in step with the Spirit. So we're going to focus on those things. First of all, Paul calls us to walk by the Spirit. Let's just be reminded a little bit of the context. Again, in the first two chapters, the gospel is under attack. Paul reiterates his relationship with the church. He circles back in, reminds them of the gospel, ending there in chapter two with that great section on being justified. That is that we're, we're sinners. We can't save ourselves, but God declares us righteous uh, through our faith in him. And uh, he emphasized that. And then chapters three and four with this church that wants to go, this Gentile church that wants to go take up all the laws of the Old Testament, he is reminding them that it's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Gentile thing. This is a multi-ethnic community. And how does this, uh, this, this new community operate? Remember from last week, verse 13. You are called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That is, he is going to be talking to us here that, about how we serve one another, that is that we're transformed by the Spirit. So Paul introduces this conflict that is happening uh, with the flesh and the Spirit. It's a conflict of nature. Uh, th that is our inward being either in the flesh, worldly, uh, selfish, or in the spirit, filled by God, changed from the inside out. There's a conflict in the nature. And, and Paul talks about this elsewhere. It's not like when we come to Christ that there is an automatic 
instant change. Oh, how we wish it was. What Paul says is actually there's a conflict in our desires, that these things are warring against each other. The Greek word here uses a, a, some of your older translations translates this Greek word lust. I think desires is a better word here. In our, in our context, we might use the word driven. It's what drives us from within. The word desire or over desire is actually only used once in verse 17. Notice, at least in the ESV, it inserts the word desire again. So I prefer the New American Standard reading that says, the flesh sets this desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The ESV fills in that word desire again. But the word is kind of over desire. And so the flesh can over desire. The spirit can't over desire. You see what I'm saying? The, the spirit, whatever the spirit does is just good. So the flesh, it starts to over-desire. We can, we can begin to worship good things, things that God has given us. We begin to over-worship it. The spirit isn't gonna cause us to over-worship anything. Okay, so interesting there. And then really what he says is there's a conflict in the outcome. And so I, I hope you heard it there because it's, it's really interesting. You see, you got the, the flesh against the spirit, verse 17, the desire of the spirit against the flesh. For those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But there's the problem. Is it the flesh inside of me, those things I want to do, or the spirit things? How do I know it's the right thing I want to do? Paul's already told us what we want to do. What you want to do is serve one another in love. What you want to do in the spirit is love your neighbor as yourself. But those things are in conflict. So the conclusion is we need to walk by the spirit. Okay, Pastor Dave, what does it mean to walk by the spirit? Let's read on. The second thing is we want to be led by the spirit. Now this verse bothered me a little bit when I'm studying because I'm, I'm Paul, I'm connecting with you in verses 16 and 17. We are to be led by the Spirit. I'm with you still. You are not under the law. Why are we throwing that in there again? What what is Paul doing here? When we're led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. It, It seems out of place, but what Paul is saying is this. Here's a great quote. The sinful nature is that within us which wants to be our own savior and Lord. The flesh heart functions under the law. It rejects the free gift of Christ's righteousness and salvation and continues to seek its own. Therefore, the sin underneath all sins, the motive for our disobedience, is always a lack of trust in God's grace and goodness, a desire to protect and guard our own lives through salvation. See, when, when we are not being led by the Spirit, we are trying to save ourselves or earn God's favor somehow. And so here, what Paul reminds us, and there's not enough room in your notes, if you're taking notes, uh, just write gospel here. What, what Paul wants us to be reminded of is that we're justified by faith in Christ alone. We, we can't do it our own. So, so God's declared us 
righteous through our faith in Christ. It's a, it's a legal term, chapter 2, verse 15. We live in light of the grace that we have received, chapter 5, verse 4. We've been set free, and specifically, we've been set free to love one another. So when we start following the law again, we're not being led by the Spirit. So the next thing he calls us to do is to bear fruit of the Spirit. And you're like, okay, good, here we are. We're finally there, Pastor. Well, not yet. Because Paul has a longer list of flesh things, which, by the way, we never cut out in kids' class in Sunday school. We never, we never did this craft. And he's got a long list here. And so what Paul is saying is that bearing fruit is contrasted with the acts of the flesh. So let me just slow down for a second and just say this. What Paul is saying is this multi-ethnic community that's being transformed by the Spirit, what's going to set it out as different from everything else in the world is that it's going to be filled with the Spirit and it's going to sacrificially love one another. They're going, to, they're going to sacrificially serve one another. There's going to be such an incredible love going on in this community that it's going to stand out. And we go, but that's not natural. And Paul goes, it's not natural. And there's things that are warring against that happening. And so he gives us a list, and I think this list, more than just a list of sinful things, Okay, we read that and we go, oh yeah, that's, that's bad. Oh yeah, we're not supposed to do that. I think it mentions that in the Old Testament somewhere. We're not supposed to do that. No, what Paul is saying is, these are the things that destroy relationships. This is what prevents a church from being a loving community. This is what destroys, com- these, are the, these are the community destroyers. And I, I put them into categories. How the flesh destroys relationships. So the first is intimate or sexual relationships that are self-seeking. And so he has three words in there, sexual immorality. This is sexual intercourse outside of marriage, okay? Uh, In your old King James there, it says adultery and fornication. It's actually got an extra word. And the textus receptus has an extra word in there. Uh, The the older translations don't have that word. But the, the Greek word here has the idea of both. It's, it's anything outside the bounds of marriage. The next word is impurity. It's uncleanliness. When used in the context of sexual immorality, it can include unnatural sexual practices and relationships. And then sensuality. It's unbridled lust, excess, uncontrolled sexual activity or, or drinking. These are the intimate relationships that are really just self-seeking. The second thing that kills community is spiritual relationships that are false. So he mentions idolatry here, worshiping of false gods. A sorcery, uh, Strong's Greek 5331. It's it's sorcery, magical arts, but it's, it's where we actually get our word pharmacy from. And if you think back to old practices, um, different what we would call drugs today, but different things were used by sorcery to have a vision or to have some sort of 
spiritual experience. And Paul's like, oh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't, we don't indulge in any of that stuff. Okay, and then there's destructive attitudes. And I'm gonna go a little bit out of order here because I think what Paul is doing is he's jumping between attitudes and actions that keep us from serving in love. So he mentions enmity, hostility, and uh, opposition to one another. Jealousy, the root is, is zealous. It's a zeal that comes from a hungry ego. Rivalries. This was an interesting word. Uh, it's, it's the Strong's number 2052. And the word used outside of the Bible, it denotes a self-seeking pursuit of a political office by unfair means. Isn't that interesting? I'm like, oh, I hate doing word studies because this is going to touch on something today. It's a desire to put oneself forward a partisan and factious spirit which does not consider it wrong to take the low road to gain its means. Selfish ambition. Envy, the desire to desire something, a quality, a possession, an attribute of someone else. And then he has destructive pathways. Uh, strife, contention, quarreling, debate. Fits of anger, anger from within that boils up, wrath dissensions, divisions, and lack of unity. And then he has divisions as a separate word. This is the act of taking capture, choosing a course of thought and action, specifically an opinion contrary to scripture. The root here uh, is the word heresy. It's permanent parties of warring groups. Boy, could that apply anymore today? It's like we just pick a, we pick a side and we just stay in it. That's a division. And then finally, substance abuse kills communities. It kills marriages. Drunkenness. It means exactly what you think it means. Orgies. It, these were late night drinking parties that often led to sexual expressions. And then notice, notice what Paul says here in verse 21. And the like. And you say, this is not an exhaustive list of community destructive behaviors. These are the things that just really stop us from serving one another in love. So the fruit of the Spirit. Oh, good, we're finally there. What? Not quite yet. Why? Why the fruit of the Spirit? Why does Paul use this picture? Again, it's not so you can cut out little fruits in kids' class. That's not what he's thinking here. Let's think about fruit for a minute. Healthy things grow. And I, <coughs> I, I just want to keep saying that because we make all sorts of excuses why there's not growth personally, corporately. But healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy things reproduce. Okay, we, We've got a string of these. I'm not even sure what kind of apple they are on our street. Um, they, they don't look very tasty. They're very small. I think they're like a crab apple. Maybe use them for applesauce. I don't know. But they're all over our neighborhood. And let me tell you, they produce. I am so thankful I don't have one in my yard because nobody's doing anything with these apples. They just fall and rot, but they continue to grow every year. 
And it's really funny because somebody will always come in and go, oh, man, I am gonna, I'm gonna trim these trees back. You know what happens when you trim the trees? Just explode with more. And so uh, there, we just got through in my neighborhood, the end of fall is to me the end of rotten apple season. Um, and so I'm glad that we're past it. But healthy things grow. Healthy things grow gradually. You know, sometimes when we look at our own Christian life, what we want is instant sanctification. What we get is gradual growth in Jesus Christ. And you know, that's healthy. Healthy things grow because they're rooted. They're they're rooted in something that is feeding them. If, If you're not If you're not in the word, if you're not spending time in prayer, if you're not in Bible study, if you're not, you know, to the best of our ability in the time that we live in, in fellowship and serving, and you go, I just don't really feel like I'm growing in the Lord. I said, well, look at your roots. Look at your roots. Now, here's one of the reasons why I wanted to fail all my teaching the Bible students when they taught on fruit of the Spirit and said fruits. Paul is specifically using a singular here for a reason. He is not saying, hey, you know what? Some of you are just really good at love. Love on. Some of you are are really kind. Be kind. He is saying that the Spirit, when we grow in the Spirit, we grow in all of them. It's symmetrical. And so what he is saying is, it's not that we just grow in love or we grow in peace. He is saying when the fruit of the Spirit grows, they all grow. It is a a process of the fruit of the Spirit. All these things are growing. And if you're just saying, well, you know, I'm a pretty kind person, but you know, God just didn't grace me with gentleness. I would say it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits. These things are going to grow in every believer because the Spirit is going to cause them to grow, especially as as we move on, we walk with Him, we keep in step with Him. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? These things are very known to many of you. Love. And I would say that the opposite of of love is fear. And I I want to remind you of that. We're called to love, and I'm not not telling you to to disobey the governor. I'm I'm just, you know, there's a difference between being obedient to the government and being careful and just living in fear. And so we're, we're to love. Joy, the opposite would be hopelessness. Peace, what's the opposite of peace? Isn't it anxiety, right? Look, I, I don't know what's gonna happen in 2021. You've seen the comic where there's a group of people and they've got a long stick and they're, they're, they're poking at 2021's door trying to open it as far away. I don't know if things are gonna get better or worse. I don't know. Maybe said, well, the person I voted for didn't get elected and, and I don't like this person and this thing is happening and this thing, you know, I, I gotta tell you, uh, as long as I have lived, 
who's in office has not made that much of a difference to me. I still have to go to work in the morning. I still call to make disciples. I'm still called to love people. And so, look, my peace is not in what's happening in this world. My peace is in Jesus Christ. My peace is in the promises of God's word. My peace is in his power. My peace is that God is good. So, so I'm not, I mean, granted, I, I get a little concerned, but I, I don't want to become anxious. Patience is the ability to face trouble without losing it. Patient is the opposite of, of resenting God because life is difficult sometimes. Patience is just going, all these things that happen to me happen so that I would become more like my, my savior. Patience is going, you know what? When I look at the life of Jesus, where did he lead me? I mean, to the cross. So I'm patient with him. I'm patient in life knowing that God is good. Kindness is serving others in a way that makes me vulnerable. It's the opposite of envy. Goodness is being the same person in every context. It's integrity. It's the opposite of hypocrisy. Faithfulness is being utterly reliable and true to your word. Gentleness is, is in humility. It's the opposite of being self-absorbed. Self-control is the ability to pursue the best over the urgent or most comfortable. It, it's the opposite of needing to be in control. The fruit of the Spirit can be summed up this way. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in God. So Paul tells us that we are to walk, we are to be led, we are to bear fruit, and then he says that we need to live by the Spirit. Sorry, where did I miss? Did I miss live somewhere? Anyway, it's, it's in there. Live by the Spirit is the next one. I missed one on the notes. This is the source of our power. If we live by the Spirit, if we, if we, if we live this, what's going to happen if we live by the Spirit? We're going to bear fruit. We're, we're, we're going to love our neighbor. We're going to grow. If we live by the Spirit, not by these worldly things, if this is what drives us, what leads us, what, what consumes us, then this is where our power is going to come from. So how do we get there? Well, he says, walk in step with the Spirit. If living by the Spirit is our power, what... I think what Paul is doing here is there's a balance. This, this power comes from the Spirit, but you also have to walk in step. You, you got to keep up. I think about when I, was, when I was younger and I went hunting with my grandfather. My grandfather had fought in a war. He, uh, he was a blue-collar worker. He loved to hunt and he woke up, you know, in a different way when he got out in the outdoors. And when we were heading out to hunt, it, it was a little bit quicker pace. And as a kid, I had to learn to keep up. Now, fortunately, I was younger then, 
But man, it sometimes felt like his walk was my jog. I mean, it felt like I had to take an extra step in there to keep up with him. And and what Paul is saying is, in one sense, the spirit is doing it through you and, and, and he is working and you better keep up. Step it up. And how do we do that? Look, you are not gonna be led by the spirit. You're not gonna be bearing fruit. You're not gonna be walking in the spirit unless you are spending time talking with God, praying. We were having this discussion in my, one of my classes the other day and, and the kids were asking questions about Jesus. Great, I love, I love those questions. We were in the Old Testament, but they, they had some questions. We were, we were answering these and I just said, you know, honestly, you guys, if Jesus went up on the mountain and prayed through the whole night before he made a decision, if Jesus, took a whole night in prayer before he made a decision, how much more should you pray? I mean, it's going to take me a little bit longer. Prayer isn't something we say just before we eat. Prayer isn't something we we say when the car, when we want to just get something real quick. Prayer is this communing conversation with the Father. Now, I get in a little trouble when I say this, but you know, if I'm gonna talk with God, I might wanna just shut my mouth for a little bit and listen too. What's God saying? Now, I have to be careful because I know the flesh is in there, but I wanna listen. And, and one of the ways I do that is I read and study scripture. Now, I throw these reading schedules out every year. We've been doing it for, we've been doing it for like four years now. I believe this time, if you're keeping up, I believe you are finishing the Old Testament for the second time and the New Testament for the fourth time. It starts to add up quick. This year, I did, all, I did them both. I did both sides of the two-year reading. So I, I, this year, I, I read through the entire Old Testament and the Psalms and the New Testament twice. It's not for me, it's not a check done. It's a, man, next year I'm gonna do it in a different translation. I'm gonna mix it up a little bit. Why? Because I wanna see what God is saying. And for me, it's not just reading and checking, although I'm guilty of doing that sometimes. It's reading and pausing. I said this week, I kept going back to Psalm 145. Why? Because God was saying something through it. Saying, Dave, you're, you're freaking out a little bit. I just want to remind you that I'm good. Dave, Dave, you're getting all concerned. I want to remind you that I answer the prayers of those who humble themselves before me. Man, I just want to keep reading that. And some of that is vulnerability. And, and, and what I mean by that is, look, if I'm going to walk in step with the Spirit, and I recognize that the Spirit wants me to love the community and love my neighbor sacrificially, and I recognize that there's a battle going on and the flesh and the spirit are battling, I know that I'm gonna blow it sometimes. And I'm gonna blow it, I'm gonna blow it more than you guys. I'm gonna blow it. And, and what's gonna happen 
is if I'm going to grow in the spirit, then people in the community are going to call me out. And they're going to say, Dave, I, think, I don't think that was very loving. And vulnerability isn't, get out of my office, I'm the pastor. Vulnerability is, yeah, I make mistakes too, thank you. Can we pray? Can, can, can I grow as well? Vulnerability is, is hearing the sermon and going, oh, not that that was just a good one, but or a bad one, but I need to do something about that. When we're walking in step with the Spirit, we start serving and finding ways to love in the community. So here's the application and action. What are you doing that's leading to more sacrificial service of other people? Notice I didn't say, what are you doing to grow in the Spirit? Because, look, the Spirit is going to do that as you're working with Him. Go back and look at that list we just went through. But but what are you doing that's leading you to what you really want to do, which is to love your neighbor and sacrificially serve in the community? And I, I'm going to steal a conversation uh, that I had this morning with Sue, and I'm gonna, this isn't on your notes, but here's one thing that you can do to love the community. Look, we're all getting on lockdown again. Pick up your phone. Call somebody. Call somebody you haven't talked to in a while. Check in on somebody. That's loving the community. That's, that's, that's love. It's joy. It's peace. Like, reach out. Who haven't I seen in a while? Who do I miss fellowshipping with? And I, I would say this too. Look, these are, these are a little bit harder. That's a good one. Sue had a better application of my sermon and she hadn't even heard my sermon yet. What are you doing that's leading to more sacrificial service of other people? Look at where your money goes. Man, look. Does my, look, we all have to take care of our needs. Don't, I'm not saying get crazy, but how much of your money goes to serving other people? Examine where your time goes. Pretty easy, right? Examine where your energy goes. And Look, I, I know I'm preaching to a, to a small church and you go, oh man, Dave, you know, when, when, we're, when we're not on lockdown, Dave, you know how many hours I spend at that church. Dave, you know, we're, we're there every time the, time the door opens. I, I get that. You know, we talk about as leaders, we're like, who do we need to tap for leadership? And we, we sit around, we look and like, everybody's doing something. And so where does my energy go? But, but maybe we would self-examine that energy. Am I serving in the church because I really want God to like me more? Or am I serving in the church because I want somebody to say, you're doing a good job? Or am I serving because I really want to sacrificially love other people? I want to lift them up. And I want to grow in this fruit. I don't know, this, this stupid thing cost me $10. Here's the crazy part. It only cost me $10 and I've been wanting one for like five years. I wish I would have bought a bigger one. But when you think of the fruit of the Spirit, I want you to think about all this growth that is happening in your life through the Spirit. And what's going to happen is in eternity, this is just going to keep going. 
it's just, it's going to be multiplied. What an incredible community that's going to be. One that's not self-seeking. One that's God-honoring. One that's living in peace. One that is constantly just, what can I do for somebody else? What a glorious time it will be. And you and I have the privilege of tasting it here on earth when we love one another the way that God has called us to love one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. And again, we thank you for your love for us that doesn't just leave us where we're at, but causes us to continue to grow. That causes us to continue to be molded and shaped into um, your image. God, we recognize our shortcomings. We recognize the battle that we're in. And so God, just again, just as, as a body of believers, as followers of Jesus, we just humbly bow our knee to you. And we say, forgive us for our selfishness. Help us to love more deeply. Help us to love practically. Help us to grow as a church, as individuals, for the glory of God, for your kingdom, not for ours. God, may you be lifted up in your church, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.